Welcome back to Turf Show Times, the podcast. I'm Kenneth Arthur. With me every week in the middle of the week is J.B. Scott as we touch base on what happened and what will happen next with the Los Angeles Rams and what happened last week. 31-10 loss to the Chargers, all part of, I wouldn't even call it a roller coaster season because the Rams, although they did beat the Broncos 51-14 on Christmas Day, not a lot of uh, ups in this roller coaster, but it is at least almost time to get off the ride and look ahead to the next line, get in queue, and see if maybe the Rams can get back on track in 2023. So we're going to talk about the Rams free agents and which ones may be brought back, which ones maybe the Rams lose. Will they get compensatory picks in 2024? Which picks will the Rams get in 2023? We'll talk about all of that, but we'll start with the Chargers, 31 to 10. Um, Austin Eckler winning Offensive Player of the Week in the NFC, this uh, or in the AFC, I should say, this week after his performance against the Rams, 10 carries for 122 yards. Uh, he has led the NFL in touchdowns in back-to-back years. He's a former undrafted free agent. And at the running back position, you know, we have all this talk about value and whether or not you can get good guys later in the draft. I mean, I must say, not only is Austin Eckler an exception in terms of his draft value, the college he went to, and sort of being able to scout prospects, you just... He's just a unicorn, you know, if the, the most simple term to put it is he's not even a running back. He's not even really a traditional running back, but he certainly ran all over the Rams um, this past week. So, JB, with a few days to think it over, what are your thoughts on the way the Rams play defense um, in week 17 as we prepare for week 18 against another very good running back, Kenneth Walker? Yeah, the Chargers are efficient and you know, the passing stats for Justin Herbert and those receivers, they're not necessarily eye-popping. The difference in that game was on the ground, and it's pretty shocking because the Rams really haven't been dominated like that in the running game all season long. But when you, you're without Aaron Donald, and then you, with before the week before you lose Aaron Donald, you're out Sean Robinson. And then recently, Greg Gaines has been pretty limited with a shoulder injury. So even Marquise Copeland, who's probably the next man up most times, has been dealing with a pretty nasty ankle injury. And the Rams are pretty open about how much it's limited him. So he was available, but you wonder if he was really up to his full self last week against the Chargers. That really just leaves you with Jonah Williams and Laurel Murchison, who has only been with the team less than a month. So you can definitely see why this Chargers team was so intent on running up the middle. And, you know, whenever you don't have Sean Robinson, Aaron Donald, Greg Gaines in front of you, that just makes Bobby Wagner and Ernest Jones' jobs that much more difficult. And it really showed in that game. You know, one of the most interesting things about averages is just um, how useful and how misleading they can be. You know, they can really sort of um, just lead you astray. Sometimes they're accurate, but for the most part, you know, you really have to go deeper than an average. And the reason I bring it up is since Baker Mayfield has become the starter, essentially, and he's in such a tough position and the Rams are in such a tough position, losing so many players to injury on offense where, yes, they did have issues before all of the injuries and Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup going on injured reserve. But when you look at the Rams' four games with Baker Mayfield, you might think that their average offense is okay, but they scored 51 points against the Broncos. They've scored 17 points against the Raiders, and they had three points going into the fourth quarter of that game. They had 12 points against the Packers, and they had 10 points against the Chargers. So, For the most part, three out of four games, this is a one-touchdown offense. Maybe you get a couple of field goals. Facing a Seahawks defense has been one of the worst in the NFL, maybe the worst against the run. Cam Akers is on a bit of a hot streak right now, and it seems like the Rams at least have that going for them with the potential for some offensive firepower from Baker Mayfield's arm as a po- as, as, as it relates to, you know, in comparison to John Wolford at least. Um, so what do you expect when we're talking about the Rams offense going up against the Seahawks defense this week, because it is a, an opportunity. It's the last ditch effort of the season to bring up that average, but it would be really misleading to say that the Rams have had a competent offense with Baker Mayfield. And that's not to put all the blame on Baker Mayfield. You know, we always do that with quarterbacks is that we just 
We associate an offense with the quarterback. He touches the ball on every play pretty much. And, you know, we need to see this week if the Rams are going to beat the Seahawks, need to see whatever worked against the Broncos work against again, again against the Seahawks. So what are your expectations there? Yeah, well, if this supporting cast wasn't good enough for Matthew Stafford to be successful even earlier in the year, and that supporting cast has even deteriorated since Stafford's been ruled out or shut down for the year, um, it's kind of hard to judge Baker Mayfield's performance in earnest. And you just have to, like, the teams that he has played well against were losing our fringe playoff teams, right, with the Raiders and then the Broncos. And then, you know, like the the true play, the true playoff teams he's he's played well against, maybe like the Packers and the Chargers, he's really struggled, or the offense in its entirety couldn't really get much going. But, you know, if we're really going to write off the season for Matthew Stafford, I think you also have to give Baker Mayfield the benefit of the doubt whenever he doesn't have Cooper Cup, Allen Robinson, and even Ben Skronik has been ruled out since he's been playing with the team. But his arrival also coincides with <clears throat> the offensive line really gelling and coming together. I think that's good, and that's really helped Cam Akers really take on this hot streak that he's had lately. Whenever you think about how this fares, moving into 2023 and the momentum you're building, this could easily be the best rushing attack Matthew Stafford's ever played with in his career. Because if Cam Akers can, you know, average 100 yards, even four or five, six times a, a time, like per season, uh, Matthew Stafford's never really had a rushing attack uh, that has put up that level of production. So I think that really gives me optimism heading into 2023. And you expect the offensive line to even have better players on it. So the stability you're seeing is good, but you're also going to see an upgrade in talent too next year. Well, let me ask you, you know, since you brought him up, it's hard to say, but from what you saw of Allen Robinson in the first half of the season, do you think he would have made a difference in the last five, six games? Uh, probably not just because if you look at his 33 catches, none of them really demonstrate the ability to stretch the field vertically. And all of his, most of his catches came within eight yards of line of scrimmage. He got a lot of goal line type work. Maybe there's only one or two where he was 15 plus yards down the field and maybe working the sidelines, making those contested catches. And really, whenever you signed him as a high price free agent, that was the billing you expected him to live up to. And you really only saw minimal flashes of that. And it's hard to, based on his price tag, bring him back and try to bank on that for next year. I'm not sure he would have made a difference for Baker Mayfield, but they have to be better than what they're trotting out there now with Tutu Atwell, Brandon Powell, and Van Jefferson. Allen Robinson will be the sixth highest paid player on the Rams in 2023 based on cap number at $18 million. That's a fully guaranteed $10 million base salary, a guaranteed $5.25 million roster bonus. No way to get out of his $15.25 million and the $2.8 million prorated portion of his signing bonus. So that's $18 million unless somehow the Rams are convinced a team to trade for Allen Robinson. So you almost certainly have to make it work with Allen Robinson unless the Rams can trade him and eat a bunch of salary and just or just cut him and say, we're cutting our losses and we're going to see it with another player because he's just taking up a roster spot at this point. He's going to be 30 years old. You wrote in your post on Thursday, four things the Rams needed to do in the 2023 offseason, including finding an edge rusher, rusher opposite of Leonard Floyd, getting in another receiving talent because Allen Robinson has been so disappointing, getting a better backup to Matthew Stafford and continuing to reshape the secondary. So one of the big things there, of course, is just not resting on their laurels with regards to the weapons that Matthew Stafford can throw to. Cooper Cup, you know, he's going to be 30 years old and you don't really know what else you've got. You want to see if Tutu Atwell will be a bigger factor next season now that we feel like maybe they'll start the season with him actually a part of the offense and he's getting Matthew Stafford as his quarterback, we'll see if Van Jefferson is healthy for a whole offseason, training camp, preseason, and getting him to be at the start of the season. Um, I mean, JB, if we're talking about Rams week one, quarterback Matthew Stafford, running back Cam Akers, Wide receivers, Cooper Cup, Allen Robinson, Tutu Atwell, Van Jefferson, Ben Skoranek, um, 
running uh, offensive line, they sort of just do it again. Uh, Tyler Higby is the tight end. That was a similar to a Super Bowl championship roster, almost down the, the line. We also pretty much know that Liam Cohen's going to leave and someone else is going to be running the offense. Can the Rams get away with that? Well, I just worry about having Allen Robinson at receiver number two, but not to rain on the parade, but I know a lot of people are expecting reinforcements to be added to this offensive line. And based on the Rams history, the last few seasons, they don't really draft those with high premium picks. They don't spend a lot of free agent money on those positions outside of John Slovan and Andrew Whitworth, but that was back in 2017. That was a long time ago, and you haven't really seen much of that since. So, And those are very unique veterans where they had, you know, John Sullivan already played for Sean McVay in Washington the year before. Uh, they had experience in the system. Andrew Whitworth, really a transcendent level of talent. So I think if you're expecting the Rams to make a couple splash signings, especially at center or tackle or use their first pick on a guard, something like that, you're probably going to be disappointed. And I just want to make, I hope we can educate fans and bring them to that level of understanding because uh, I think that just based on the Rams history, that's where we're headed. But, you know, I really do worry about this wide receiver position the most um, and tight end. Also, I think you just need some sort of pass catching threat, but we've seen how beneficial this 12 personnel packages for the Rams over the last couple of weeks and how much, how many dividends it plays in the running game too. So if you're, not convinced that Tyler Higby's part of the future. Maybe you're looking for number one type of guy. Uh, Bryson Hopkins isn't probably someone you can trust heading into a, a whole season next year, whatever he's in a contract here anyway. So if you can bring in a mid-tier free agent, maybe like the Max Williams of the world, uh, like a Hayden Hurst, I don't know what his contract situation is with the Bengals, but um, or you can come out with a, a free agent with your or a draft pick with your first pick, and they can really contribute in the run game as well as the pass. That's really what can take this offensive offense to the next level. Whenever you're talking about the wide receiver depth chart, I agree with you. You don't know what you have in Van Jefferson, but he's probably best as your number three instead of number two. Uh, Tutu Atwell, if you try to put him in the traditional depth chart, that doesn't really work for him. He's a, a special type of player where he's going to run deep routes. He's going to be he's going to take those gadget jet sweep type plays. Um, so he doesn't really, if you put him on the field on the number of snaps that a number two receiver has, that's really not the best way to leverage his ability. So I still think you need a compliment to Cooper Cup. I don't think it's Allen Robinson, but to me, that's a perfect opportunity to use your first, your second round draft pick on your very first uh, pick of the draft. And because the history has shown that you can find star level receivers in that second round. The Rams have done it even with Cooper Cup, who was drafted in the third round. So, but there's, you just name as a long list in my article, it has them. But um, like we can go through the names in the second round, even. You have guys like AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, Debo Samuel, Christian Watson. And even if you talk about subsequent to the second round, you're looking at, you know, Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, Keenan Allen, Terry McLaurin, Chris Godwin, and Stefan Diggs. So I think this is your prime opportunity. You're probably not going to be picking at 35th or 36th, wherever the Rams are at at this point for a while. So use this to find a star receiver, not just for 2023, but beyond as well. And, you know, it's so interesting. It's so funny. It's like when you bring up any something like that, oh, the Rams should take a receiver in the second round. You're absolutely right. Like these are, this is a place where it's been proven. You can find premium wide receivers. We've also seen a lot of busts. We've also seen a lot of guys that do absolutely nothing. The uh, Andy Isabellas of the world, you know, maybe maybe it's one-to-one. Maybe for every one Andy Isabella, there's not necessarily one DK Metcalf or one AJ Brown, but it's pretty close. And then maybe at the, the worst case scenario, maybe you you land someone, I don't even know at this point, if you're saying Elijah Moore, Rondale Moore, like say, I still have hope for Elijah Moore, someone like that, right? And, you know, so it's like, those are guys that, we know the Rams could use, you know, that there are really good options out there where it's like, yeah, maybe you get a T Higgins because Cooper cup is not going to be around for a very long time. You know, that's just the nature of the NFL. That's just the truth. And he's also one kind of receiver. The Rams need other kinds of receivers that they don't have. Unfortunately, what I have found, and it is really just repeated, just choose a new name every year, but this is what I've been seeing for 12 years, 15 years, And it just repeats year after year. If you bring up something like, I think the Rams should draft a receiver in the second round, especially at a time like this, 
Oh, you forget about Creed Humphrey. They drafted Tutu Atwell over Creed Humphrey. How dare you? Listen, if the Rams had drafted A.J. Brown over a center, nobody would care. Nobody would mind. You know, maybe Tutu Atwell won't be A.J. Brown. Maybe he won't be that guy. Maybe people were always going to, if it wasn't his size, they would have found something else to hate about him. That's just the way that it is. You know, if you didn't want that particular position, then you'll just find something to hate about that player. There were plenty of attributes about Tutu Atwell that made him very interesting, exciting. And we've seen that on display on the NFL field. So I agree with you that when you talk about the second round or the third round, the Rams have to be open to drafting wide receivers, no matter if they have six or seven or eight on the roster already, no matter if they could go out and sign another veteran or whatever, you know, the Rams just need more weapons. This is this offense was scoring 10, 15, 17 points a game with Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup in large part because they don't have a second option. They don't have a second weapon. And you cannot just feel like, well, because they've used so many resources on it, they have to stop now. Sorry. No, it's not that. It's not. It's never about how many resources you've spent. It's only about what you have and what you need and what will make you better. So I look at it that way. I also am not against drafting a, a center or a guard or a tackle or offensive line. Anything might be the right choice. It, you know, I just want people always to remain open-minded. And it, it just blows my mind that, you know, people Gets, take it so personally or take it so hard if the Rams, say, drafted a running back. Well, the Rams need a running back, you know. We can't, Cam Akers only has one more year on his rookie contract, and we don't even know how good Cam Akers really is. So that's a possibility. A quarterback is a possibility. A lot of things could be possible with the Rams' second-round pick and, and their, their picks after that. Um, so I just think that People have to get used to that. And also, JB, one other thing that I've found over my fandom as a football fan, players usually show up immediately. Take a guy like Lance McCutcheon. I was pretty hyped up by his preseason. I was pretty interested. I thought he played a preseason that was better than most breakout preseasons. And I know after so many years of doing this that a lot of not I don't want to say bad words you know but I don't want to say negative words but a lot of not good players have great preseasons I felt like Lance McCutcheon was doing things that gave him an that should have given him an opportunity to play and maybe at the end of the day the reason Lance McCutcheon didn't get that opportunity very often this year even though the Rams needed more wide receiver weapons is that he's just not good at the other things that go into being a wide receiver like the blocking or the route running or you know uh you know especially special teams was what I wrote about in the beginning of the year when I tried to caution people like he needs to play special teams at a high level to be an every week active player on the roster And then maybe he'll get his opportunity as a receiver. But there's so many other aspects to playing receiver. I just don't think that Lance McCutcheon, who is 24 next year or this year, I don't think that Lance McCutcheon, when guys show up and undrafted free agents, whether it's an Austin Eckler or Doug Baldwin, something like that, you just know. And it's that immediate like, oh, this guy's going to develop. Day three pick, late round picks. Stefan Diggs, you know, great example of a sixth round pick where you're just like, Boom, that was a steal. They don't tend to be in their third, fourth, fifth year. So I don't really, I understand why some people, some Rams fans will go, I still have hope for Van Jefferson. I still have hope for Lance McCutcheon. I still have hope for Jacob Harris or whatever it is. That's okay. But the Rams can't bank on hope if they want to get back to the Super Bowl next year, if they want to be contenders. And if they're not Super Bowl contenders next year, JB, you might need to say goodbye to Sean McVay and Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup because if they have anything like the season that they just had, it will be blow up time. What are your thoughts? Well, that's painful to think about, but you're absolutely right where this team is not going to operate in the mediocre realm. They're either going to be terrible like they were this year, or they're going to be towards the top of the standings like they were last year when they won the Super Bowl. So this team is making moves towards the extremes where if your star players get injured and miss part of the season, you're going to be disappointed with the outcome. But if they're on the field and they're producing at the level you expect them to, you're going to be as good as anyone in the NFL. And there's not going to really be a lot of in between. So, but I I, I think the point you made with Lance McCutcheon was good. I 
he had his opportunities with Ben Skronik out, and Baker Mayfield looked for him down the field last week against the Chargers, and was on the sideline, and he completely gator-armed that ball and didn't go up and go get it like we saw from the preseason. That's really concerning to me. Also, you know, there's a reason why he's on in the field now that Skronik is out. Maybe it's a speed translating to the to the NFL level, um, Maybe and that's okay during the preseason, maybe not whenever there's you know, these elite level of athletes starting caliber players on the field. I'm not so sure. But then I'd also like to make a counterpoint to my initial point about second round wide receivers is the Rams have taken two second round wide receivers and they didn't find the AJ Browns or the DK Metcalfs of the world. They found the Van Jeffersons and the Tutu Atwells. So uh, I think I didn't, I never really liked the Van Jefferson pick initially because he kind of fit the mold of the Cooper cup, Robert Woods that you already had on your roster. And you, know, you have to find these guys, these guys who are big bodies they can really, they're just great route runners. They can have a great athletic profile that you're looking for so they can become an elite level receiver. Van Jefferson never really had those traits. Tutu Atwell does have those traits, but maybe his size is going to limit him from being a star level player, but he can really have one or two explosive plays a game. And that in the NFL, the margins are so thin that, that can really shift things into your favor. So I'm not ready to give up on Atwell quite yet. Excited to see what he can do in year three with a healthy quarterback. So who can find him down the field because he's had his moments this year but the opportunities are missed because the quarterbacks didn't have the talent, AKA John Wolford and Bryce Perkins to get the ball to him down the field. So uh, yeah, this, this Rams team is going to be interesting. Everything hinges on 2023 and this off season. I don't think they're going to stand Pat. I think they understand based on the, the troubles from this past year, what needs to be fixed, what was within their control, such as maybe the Allen Robinson signing, not working, maybe putting too much time into Von Miller's free agency, that you miss out on other edge rushers and you're stuck with Justin Hollins, Terrell Lewis heading into the year. But there's also things that are outside your control. And this is kind of where I view the offensive line was that was a, a unprecedented level of injury to those players. And you're on fourth string players across the board, other than Rob Havenstein, you were signing guys off the street, Matt Skira and Odea Bushi to play for your team. And that you just don't see that in the NFL really. And I think if you want to hope for positive regression in that regard, and just assume that you're going to get all these guys back and they're going to be healthier next year. I would buy into that a little bit more than saying, I just think the resources are better spent elsewhere. The incremental benefit, it, there's more to be gained there than pouring that into the offensive line whenever the, the resources are so limited already. So that's kind of where I view this, this team and where they're going to see them have a really good year. Or like you said, it's going to be a bad year. and It's going to time to tear everything apart. And you know what else, JB, just something I looked up because I thought I just had the the question in my mind. So I'll provide a counterpoint to the counterpoint to the counterpoint, a little bit of a surprise defense here for Les Need. Because I've always, first of all, I've always, I I like the idea of drafting wide receivers and and weapons. And and, because I think this is a weapons-based era of the NFL. You know, you can just look at the teams that are making deep runs in the playoffs and their explosive firepower, not just to have a Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Matthew Stafford, Tom Brady, whatever, quarterback. But, I mean, Tom Brady knew what he was doing when he went to Tampa Bay. He was choosing Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. You know, Matthew Stafford knew what he was doing when he was forcing his trade and got his way to the Rams. He was choosing Cooper Cup and Robert Woods and Sean McVay and an offense to make him better. And the Rams just need to continue to build that. However, I will give some, I guess, a pass, if you will, or at least maybe provide more questions to the NFL as a whole. The receivers that were drafted ahead of Van Jefferson were LaVisca Chenault, KJ Hamler, and Chase Claypool. The receivers drafted after Van Jefferson were Denzel Mims, Lynn Bowden, Brian Edwards, and Devin DuVernay. So there were no wide receivers in that range, second, third round. You would have to go all the way up to T. Higgins and Michael Pittman at the very top of the second round, and the Rams were nowhere near that pick. So other than the possibility of trading up with their 52nd pick, which was used on Cam Akers, um, the best you could have hoped for maybe was Chase Claypool and hoping that he's better than how he's been with his terrible situations at quarterback. But there was nobody really after Van Jefferson if that was going to be the route until you go um, until you just keep going down the board. I mean, they could have gotten Gabe Davis in round four, but, you know, could have, should have, would have. 2021, they chose Tutu Atwell. The receivers that went ahead of Tutu Atwell in the entire second round, Elijah Moore, Rondale Moore, D. Eskridge, after him, 
Terrace Marshall, Josh Palmer, Deami Brown, Amari Rogers, Nico Collins, and Anthony Schwartz. Again, uh, you have to go all the way down to the fourth round to find Amon Ross St. Brown. So really, it was a couple fourth round picks in those years that were the steals. There were no A.J. Browns, D.K. Metcalf, Terry McLaurins, all those names. And we really have to give – that's something that I think gets underrated so much when we talk about the NFL draft, which is some classes are good, some classes are bad. And, you know, when you when we put it into the context of, oh, man, what a bad draft class, this GM should be fired or whatever. I mean, yeah, I, I'm, I'm always open to, to, to discussions, but sometimes it's just like you get stuck with a bad batch of, of players. And if you're dead set on drafting wide receivers, well, yeah, you need to be better about scouting that class and going like, you know what, this isn't the class for us. Some teams do that. Some teams don't. I think that's probably a much bigger problem facing the Rams is not maybe realizing like, okay, this wasn't the year to to pick a wide receiver. You know, Tutu Atwell, for at least his credit, was 20 is 21 years old at the time of the draft, not very experienced at wide receiver, you know, and uh, is a project that maybe they just figured, yeah, the first year is going to be a total mulligan. Second year will bring him along. Um, but at least when you look at it and you go, oh, he went after Rondale Moore and D. Eskridge. He has more yards than D. Eskridge. Uh, and then Terrace Marshall, you know, not much of anything there. Um, so maybe at least there's some, I hope fans get a little bit of settlement out of, at least realizing like it wasn't like there was going to be another wide receiver of, of great immense value that year. Again, you can't get gun shy about drafting a wide receiver this time around if the right one is there, especially at the top of the second round, because the closer you get to the first round, the closer you're getting to some of these more premium wide receivers. Um, but you just never know. And I do wonder how much the NFL got overzealous with wide receivers and prospects based on how bountiful those 2018 2019 classes were um, because they were so much richer in the second and third rounds really and especially by value than the first round so does that give you a little bit uh does that change your mind at all uh jb yeah it really does you also you have if you're going to judge the gm you also have to weigh the alternative choices that he could have made and yeah that definitely you can take some solace in that uh, just Whenever you think about the T. Higgins, T. Higgins or Michael Pittman versus Van Jefferson, you can see why those two former receivers worked out versus Jefferson because they have the size, they have the athleticism. But yeah, the Rams aren't normally drafting in that range in the second round, the early second round, but you have the luxury of doing that this year. So I think you have to find a receiver that kind of fits that profile. And also on, on Tutu Atwell, you mentioned KJ Hamler, D. Eskridge, Rondale Moore. Those are all receivers with some similar frames to Atwell, though he's probably smaller than all of them. And, you know, Moore's probably been the best of the bunch so far in his career. Uh, the, the Cardinals really use him as a slot receiver. They, you know, give him a lot of handoffs, stuff like that. He's as a high volume player, an important player for them. But really, whenever you talk about the Hamler and Eskridge, like these are quarter, these are players that are limited by the production of their quarterback in a lot of regards, because you have to be able to push the ball down the field and find these speedy receivers. You're dependent upon the offensive line to be able to hold up so you can push the ball down the field. And you're dependent upon an offensive mind that can take advantage of your pretty unique skill set. And you have to question yourselves whether these players go into situations where they can be successful. And whenever you have that conversation, someone like Nico Collins in Houston comes to mind where he's spent the last two years with Davis Mills and a a rotation of quarterbacks. Um, You know, the alternative this year wasn't really any better than Davis Mills. So, um, we'll see where his career takes off after, you know, in 2023, maybe with the number one overall pick. So that's someone to keep an eye on. Absolutely. And um, speaking of the Rams plan to get back on track in the, the off season here, as I teased in the beginning of the podcast, let's talk a little bit about who the Rams free agents are going to be as well as those comp picks, you know, something else that I've realized over the years is that people, are obsessed. Once they found out what comp picks are, it didn't really matter if it was a seventh round pick and the extraordinarily low odds that any seventh round pick is ever going to make your roster as anything more than a special teamer or a practice squad player. Doesn't matter. People are obsessed with comp picks, not normal seventh rounders, but the seventh round comp picks that come at the very end of the draft. 
because, hey, maybe you'll get Brock Purdy, I guess. Um, but fifth, sixth, seventh round comp picks, this is how the Rams end up with 10 day three picks. And they've done a pretty good job of uh, accumulating those picks by having players that other teams want to sign. And that's valuable, just as it is valuable for Sean McVay to have a coaching tree. Um, that goes and and leads to head coaching jobs because as we'll see with uh, Liam Cullum probably departing here, um, the Rams will have no problem recruiting some of the best offensive minds in the NFL or promoting uh, from within. Um, so there's always benefits to that. This year, the Rams are projected by overthecap.com to get a fifth round comp pick for Von Miller, a fifth round comp pick for Austin Corbett, a sixth rounder for Sebastian Joseph Day and a seventh rounder for Agbania Akaronquo, which, you know, in that sense, it's like, wow, you're just getting a draft pick for Agbania Akaronquo. It doesn't matter if it's a seventh rounder. That's amazing. You know, you couldn't have traded him for a seventh round pick. It felt like, so that's a benefit for those of you wondering why Von Miller was only a fifth round comp pick when he signed a $100 million contract, 20 million per year because as a 10-year veteran, he can no, not bring back more than a fifth-round comp pick. That is a new rule, and so that's why he's not a third-round comp pick, but a fifth-round comp pick. However, and this is the part that gets left out, so I'm glad you're listening, everybody out there. You don't just get comp picks for every player that leaves. If that, comp, if that player's contract is offset by someone you sign, then you do not get a comp pick for that player. That's why a lot of teams don't get comp picks. And there's a limited number of comp picks. I think it's 32. There's only 32 comp picks. And then you've got the the factoring in now of two third-round compensatory picks that teams get if a minority candidate at head coach or general manager is hired out of your ranks, which the Rams received for Brad Holmes when the Lions hired him as a general manager. If a team so happens to hire Raheem Morris as a head coach, the Rams would get two third round comp picks, one in 2023 and one in 2024. Possible also that Ray Farmer could be hired as a general manager, although that is unlikely, as it is probably unlikely that Raheem Morris will be a head coach next year, but you just don't know. So anyway, moving on to the comp picks this year, the Rams did have Darius Williams sign a $10 million per year contract with the Jaguars, but that was offset because the Rams signed Allen Robinson. So that's why there's no comp pick for Darius Williams. So when we look at these uh, potential signings, it'll be different every year, JB, but as a baseline, for example, Christian Kirk signed an $18 million per year contract and the Cardinals are expected to get a third round comp pick for an 18 million. That's about, that's the highest you can get third round. So anything in the 18, 19, 20 million and up, maybe we're looking at a third round comp pick and then fourth, fifth, Austin Corbett, 8.75 million. He's bringing in a fifth round comp pick. Sebastian Joseph Day, just below him at $8 million. He's bringing in a sixth round comp pick and Okoronkwu, he signed a $3.25 million per year contract. That's a seventh round comp pick. So Anything maybe in the uh, $3 million to 4 or $5 million, maybe that's a seventh rounder. $6 million to, say, $8 million, that might be a sixth rounder. $9 million, maybe talking up to uh, $10 million or $12 or $15 million. Uh, $12 million maybe, let's say that's a fourth rounder. And then I said, I don't know, 13 you know, we're going to have some estimates there. So looking at the Rams free agents this year, obviously the big name is Baker Mayfield. Now, another thing is for those who are listening out there, if you cut a player, that's not a comp pick. The contract has to expire on its own. You have to play out your contract. So cutting a player does not bring back a compensatory pick. Like, I don't know, Rob Havenstein, who's not going to get cut. I don't think, but for example, Cutting a player does not bring back a comp pick. Leonard Floyd, maybe he would get released. I don't know. Uh, basically, that's it. Ashawn Robinson uh, is a free agent. Troy Hill is a free agent. Baker Mayfield is a free agent. Taylor Rapp is a free agent. David Edwards is a free agent. Greg Gaines is a free agent. Um, Nick Scott, Ode Abushi, 
Pai Niseki, who maybe he's proven himself, and you know, he's pretty old, uh, 38. So he made, I don't know how much of a contract he's going to get. David Long, Riley Dixon, the punter, uh, Brandon Powell, Matt Gay, who obviously the Rams would like to just bring back, Traven Howard, uh, long snapper, Matt Orzech. Um, that's the unrestricted free agents as well as Matt Skura. Did I say Greg Gaines? Um, so let's start, JB, with just talking about the players that you want the Rams to re-sign or expect the Rams to re-sign. The Rams don't have any real cap space projected at the moment, but they will always be able to create cap space for the players that they really want to bring back. One area of focus for a lot of people will be choosing between A. Sean Robinson and Greg Gaines, if not potentially losing both what are your thoughts there yeah I think you pretty much have to choose between one of the two I think Ashawn Robinson probably has a higher price tag on the open market because he's a former second round pick versus Gaines being a former fourth rounder he was a starter pretty much his entire time in Detroit even though Matt Patricia uh, you could argue maybe didn't utilize his talents in the best manner and kind of fell out of favor there before the Rams picked him up off the trash heap essentially in the later stages of free agency after they lost Michael Brockers um, but Robinson's really regarded as one of the premier run-stopping defensive tackles in the NFL. Uh, I'm not sure Gaines is viewed the same way, though he does provide a little more juice as a pass rusher. Maybe you could argue because of that juice, he compliments Aaron Donald, the interior defensive line, a little bit better. So I think, personally, I'd side with Gaines with the uh, with the assumption that he maybe costs a little less than Robinson, and then you let Robinson hit, go somewhere else reap the benefits of the comp pick, but under no circumstances with these limited resources, are you probably keeping both? Yeah. So uh, Ashawn Robinson, he had a two year, $17 million contract that went through quite a few changes and complications because of the 2020 opt out year and his injury and, and taking some time to figure that all out. He's only 27. He'll be turning 28. Um, so that's a, a benefit. If he goes out on the free agent market, you know, thinking of Sebastian Joseph Day a year ago, who's uh, a little bit older uh, than Ashawn Robinson, he signed a three-year, $24 million contract. So, you know, I, I would assume Ashawn Robinson might even get more than that. Michael Brockers makes $8 million a year. Akeem Hicks and Larry Ovenjobi have one-year $8 million contracts. Uh, Malik Collins uh, had the same contract to Deshaun Robinson, two years, $17 million. David Onyamata, $9 million on a three-year deal. Shelby Harris, same deal. Um, DJ Jones had a three-year, $30 million contract. I would say it's possible that uh, Ashawn Robinson could, could sign for $10 million a year. What do you think? Certainly plausible if that's what Spass and Joseph Day reaped on the open market. And Robinson, in all accounts, is probably a better player than Joseph Day. Um, You have to, I don't know. He's an average starter at best, SJD, uh, for the Rams and now with the Chargers. But I guess, do you want to rank maybe some of these unrestricted free agents in order of how we'd like to see the Rams keep them? Because I think number one for me is Matt Gay. And, you know, he's going to command between 5 and $6 million if the Rams try to re-sign him. That's not a negligible amount for a kicker. Because just when you look at the franchise tag, it's already 5.4 million or pretty close to it. So uh, if you can't get a contract extension done and lower that number a bit, that's a pretty big part of the cap to take up for someone who's only plays special teams. But if you mm-hmm. have a bad one, it's that's a pretty big deal, too. And I mean, we just saw how poorly the Rams ran a kicker competition uh, two years ago. So to open up that position again and have another three-way competition that doesn't result in any of them being good kickers, and then bringing in Kai Forbath until finally you luck into Matt Gay. You know, uh, that is a consideration. Uh, Matt Gay, he was on a $2.5 million contract, and the highest-paid kicker, Justin Tucker, he makes $6 million a year, Chris Boswell, $5 million a year, and then you've got a large number of kickers who make $4 million a year, Matt Gay's been so strong with the Rams that he could definitely be asking for a four-year, $20 million contract. And you're right. You know, that's that's a considerable amount of money. Um, the Rams are up against the cap. The first year of Chris Boswell's deal, um, 
I was hoping it would be a little bit cheaper, but it seems like as I look at it now, um, this was the first year of his his contract and it was $5 million. You know, that's what they had to pay him. Uh, he was paying on an extension. He played an extension, but even the first year of the extension is $5.6 million. So you got to allocate $5 million to Matt Gay. It's a great point. And you got to really think like for a team that doesn't have any salary cap right now, first they need to clear $5 million and then they need to re-sign Matt Gay to that. They might be able to, to have a lower cap number in the beginning, but still, you know, there's not a lot of other options here because as we go down the list of free agents, you know, uh, who is your number two? Would it be um, Greg Gaines just because, you know, you're you're losing uh, Ashawn Robinson? You know that Aaron Donald, you know, we're just going through the first injury concern really of his of his career. And he's he's 30 and, and there's there's questions there. Um, I'm trying to just bef- we talked about Baker Mayfield and we'll get to him. Your other options would be like David Edwards, and, and can you replace David Edwards easily? Um, yeah, Nick Scott, maybe another one too up there. Nick Scott. So, yeah, where would you rank Nick Scott, David Edwards, Ashawn Robinson? For me, it's or, excuse Greg, me, Greg Gaines. For me, Gaines is probably number two. And, you know, SJD gets three years, $24 million. Uh, that's probably the market that Gaines is going to have too, if not for maybe a couple years of inflation on top of that. So, uh, that's a pretty hefty price tag, but. Uh, you can either have, but whenever you talk about Troy Hill, what the price he's going to command, he's probably number three for me. Uh, you can maybe sign him for $5 million versus have Matt Gay for $5 million a year. Uh, Hill's 32. He's long in the tooth. Uh, maybe the emergence of Kobe Durant late in the year allows you to move on from him. And, you know, we've seen the Rams not historically invest in the safety position. Whenever you talk about how limited these these dollars are and how much room you have to work with. Maybe they view the safety position as pretty replaceable. You drafted two last year in Quentin Lake and Russ Yeast. Uh, you know, Yeast played a lot down the stretch. You don't really know what you have in Jordan Fuller uh, because he pretty much sat out the entire year for the most part after really being relegated to a backup job after getting her right before the playoffs last year and getting replaced by a 37-year-old Eric Weddle. So uh, is he someone you can rely on in 2023? Is Quentin Lake ready to take a step forward? Or maybe you kind of wait out the first couple ways of free agency and maybe Scott's price comes down or you find someone who's a pretty similar player. Uh, you really need almost two starters at safety heading into next year. And that's the other thing, you know, it's like yeah. – this is the issue that the Rams ran themselves into. They can hardly afford the most basic players like kickers and backup quarterbacks and depth at safety and depth at cornerback, really starters at cornerback. You know, you've got so many 20 million and up year players that you have to draft well. And because the Rams didn't draft well and they're cutting those guys now, you have to figure out ways to fill these roster spots with low contract values that are so hard to find. You know, it's not just that the Rams are going to probably lose Baker Mayfield and not bring back John Wolford and not bring back Bryce Perkins, but they do need better backups than Wolford and Perkins. And that means that you need to spend money at. And so you might spend $5 million on, on Matt Gay, which is one thing, but then you also might need to spend $4 million on the backup quarterback or $6 million or $8 million, you know. Um, just looking at some of the values, Teddy Bridgewater, $6.5 million. Um, Mason Rudolph, $4 million. Jameis Winston, $4 million. Taylor Heineke, $3.6 million. Case Keenum, $3.5 million. Joe Flacco, $3.5 million. I mean, these are the players that you need to get. You need to get somebody out there who, when Matthew Stafford, not if, but when Matthew Stafford is out, it's not going and turning the ball over to John Wolford or Bryce Perkins or a rookie or an undrafted free agent or, you know, just the next version of, you know, uh, I mean, even just look at the fact that Gardner Minshew was seen as a pretty decent backup. I mean, the Eagles are 0-2. They were 13-1 with Jalen Hurts. They're 0-2 with Gardner Minshew. I'm not putting it all on Gardner Minshew, but pretty clearly a difference there. So it's like 
You need to spend $5 million on your kicker. You need to spend $5 million on your backup quarterback. You have $0 million of cap space, and you need to find replacements for David Edwards. You need to find replacements for Taylor Rapp. You need to find a replacement for Nick Scott or re-sign Nick Scott. You need to find a replacement for Troy Hill, for David Long, uh, for Matt Orzich, for Riley Dixon. I mean, before we even get into thoughts of can the Rams sign a replacement for Allen Robinson, we got to talk about, can the Rams sign a punter? So, uh, you know, JB, what are those, those sort of those problem areas um, that we don't really talk about as much that make you most like, this is where I want to place. If you have a $5 million player, you know, that's Matt Gay. That's choosing between maybe Matt Gay, Nick Scott, Greg Gaines, and uh, you know, a, a quality backup quarterback. Yeah, and then maybe you can try to rake the trash heap for long snappers, punters, kickers. But as you mentioned in 2020, that got pretty ugly. Whenever I, I curdle at the name Sam Sloman, right? Like it's it's a cringy situation whenever you go back that far. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> the backup quarterback, I like to throw out the name Drew Locke from the from your division rival Seahawks. Uh, in that piece I wrote on Thursday, you can see him throwing the ball 80 yards to someone like KJ Hamler. Maybe imagine him and Royal and Soul and that being Tutu Atwell instead of Hamler. And, you know, very similar player to Matthew Stafford. When you talk about the build and the athletic profile and the arm strength, both kind of make boneheaded decisions from time to time. So maybe if Locke can, you know, learn as Stafford's understudy, you can really maybe that's kind of the cost saving signing, but maybe works out just as well. Because you really, whenever you talk about these backups, the difference to me between John Wolford, Bryce Perkins and Baker Mayfield is arm talent and Wolford and Perkins just don't have an NFL level of ability in that regard. Locke certainly does, um, but he has some maturity issues, some decision-making issues. Maybe you can coach out of him. Someone like Sean McVay is probably the right man for the job, but yeah, you're going to have to scrape some at the bottom of the barrel for some of these positions and try to find efficiencies. But you also, you know, what's wrong with this roster because you weren't a very good team this year. You need plenty to find a number two corner. How do you even afford that? And Whenever we already talked about the second round pick, you want can use on receiver, tight end, offensive line, maybe a corner, but you only have one of them, and you've really backed yourself into corners. You mentioned. I think you know going over some of these other guys and whether or not they would be valuable enough to bring back uh, compensatory picks. I don't know if Taylor Rapp can get a contract. I mean, I, I feel like he will get a offer, you know, and he will go somewhere and be in a camp. But when you look at how difficult it is for safeties to stay in the league without just being replaced by rookie players or whatever, like those second contract safeties, you know, I'm just looking around and you think like a guy like Malik Hooker, who's on a two year, $7 million contract. A lot of these guys will be free, will stay free agents into August, September, you know, just because teams aren't that desperate for safeties. So I wonder if Taylor Rapp even has a market that is all that interesting. And Nick Scott, you know, it's like, I don't know if the Rams really have to run to the table for Nick Scott. You know, they 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 made their picks with Terrell Burgess and Jordan Fuller, and it didn't work. And it looked like it would work for with Jordan Fuller, and he can come back next year and give it another shot. But eventually the Rams won a Super Bowl playing Eric Weddle. So I feel like maybe the safeties, they could just let go out there and maybe not even lose them. I couldn't see a, a comp pick necessarily coming back for either of them. No, I totally agree. Uh, I think someone like Ron Rivera and Taylor Rapp are a match made in heaven in the NFL mediocrity realm. Uh, you know, Ron Rivera is still somehow a head coach in this league, uh, despite, you know, we saw the failures of Jeff Fisher hasn't had a lot of winning seasons to his name, despite being, you know, in this league for a long time. So, and also whenever I think about David Long, I think about man press schemes, like with the Patriots and maybe Wink Martindale in New York, uh, that can really utilize his skill set better than the Rams zone heavy scheme does. So uh, maybe you, these, these players are miscast in a lot of ways in this defense and they can go off and find better fits for them and really be productive players elsewhere. Um, Another player before we get to, Baker Mayfield and then get out of here um, would be David Edwards. We saw Austin Corbett leave last year. As I said, he could return a fifth round comp pick. 
got an $8.7 million APY. And I think teams are always interested in getting better on the inside. Um, It's just a matter of always debate. Well, is that player even good? Sometimes even the biggest names on free agency, like Andrew Norwell, can be busts um, and not, you know, improve a team nearly as much. And it could be a scheme, mismatch, all that. David Edwards has an injury history, um, and the Rams have had to learn to, to move on without him several times. Um, any thoughts on returning David Edwards? Well, it's a complete unknown for me. That's why I don't even really bring him into the calculus because uh, he missed most of the season with some with concussions, and that's hard to predict where players' careers move forward after that. Just when we talk about you know Matthew Stafford's concussions and spinal cord contusions and all that, is uh, it's not good, and it's really up to the player whether they want to continue. And it's you know, a difficult conversation to say maybe Edwards' absence brings down his price tag and. And the, and the way the world works and shifts that uh, he the Rams can afford to retain him now, or maybe someone like Kevin O'Connell understands Edwards' value as a pass-blocking guard, maybe has the frame to play tackle eventually. Uh, the Bengals are probably going to continue to invest that offensive line because, you know, that's not that thing's not fully fixed. So you look at these similar schemes around the NFL that off the Sean Bay coaching tree that they might look at Edwards and say, yeah, that guy's a starting-level player for us. Finally, you know, Baker Mayfield, this would be maybe the Rams' best chance um, to get a decent comp pick, depending on if they're able to bring somebody in. Um, But I'm really just not sure, JB. I mean, Baker Mayfield spent four years in Cleveland. His last year was really bad. People said it was the shoulder. He was on the trade market. There was no secret about that. Any team could have had him. We've seen that half of the league has tremendous quarterback problems and none of them wanted him in a trade except for the Carolina Panthers. And it's always the Carolina Panthers. It's always the Panthers. If you need someone to take a quarterback off your hands and overpay him and do the wrong thing, it's the Carolina Panthers. So the Panthers took Baker Mayfield and he had to reduce his contract to, you know, like $6 million or something like that from 18 because nobody else wanted him. He played the worst football in the NFL. He was waived. No team picked him up except for the team that didn't have a quarterback because they were so desperate. And the NFL really, I think, was so happy to let Baker Mayfield go to the Rams that they just let it happen. Baker Mayfield's had a few good moments. As you say, his arm is special. It's different than most backups. It's probably different than most starters. But there's so many issues with Baker Mayfield that lead to him not being the guy um, that I really don't know what kind of a market he could possibly have. As I wrote this week, I don't think that Baker Mayfield can play his way into a starting role. He can play his way into a competition. He can go to a team like the Jets. If the Jets decide we're going to keep Zach Wilson, we're going to re-sign Mike White, and we're going to throw in a three-way competition, and we're just going to find out what happens. Maybe he can go you know, to uh, a team like the Steelers, and they just say, like, yeah, you're in a competition um the Patriots I don't know you could just keep going down the line but I don't think that there's going to be the Colts calling and saying Baker Mayfield three years 60 million dollars it's your job I mean the Colts are stupid too but I just don't see Baker Mayfield after what we've seen for the last year three teams getting cut basically twice I mean his trade was basically a cut playing the worst football in the NFL Um, I don't know why anybody thinks that Baker Mayfield is going to command a starter's contract. And at best, I'm looking at a deal similar to Marcus Mariota, um, who signed with the Falcons for something like two years and $16 million or whatever. And, and that would have been worth a fifth round comp pick, uh, if not a sixth round comp pick. Um, so Possibly that is on the table. I don't see anything more than that. What do you think? Well, fortunately for Mayfield, it only takes one team to really identify him as a potential starter and make a deal. And whenever you talk about quarterback money, uh, $10 million is like, it's a pretty minimal amount for a quarterback. Whenever, you know, 
you know, the high level starters make 30 to $40 million, even some pushing that $50 million mark. So, I mean, and whenever we talk about the grand scheme of things with comp picks, $10 million is a lot. That's what Darius Williams got last year. So, I mean, it only takes one person to convince themselves desperate times call for desperate measures. So if these teams don't have a quarterback, uh, they can really maybe talk themselves into Mayfield based on what he's put on tape with the Rams, especially if there's a coach uh, branch off the Sean McVay tree that has seen him be productive in that system and know what he can do potentially. And they maybe have a, a new head coaching job or something. Uh, but yeah, there's some really stupid teams around the NFL, the Colts, uh, the commanders, maybe the Jets can, they're going to be desperate too. So uh, it only takes one. Well, let me, uh, I agree. Um, that's why I said the Panthers are the stupid team that'll do anything. They traded basically two second round picks for Sam Darnold. So there, there's always a stupid team out there. But I do think that with stupid teams, sometimes it's they're being stupid because they only have one option. They're backed into a corner. They're desperate. They feel like this is the only guy. We kind of got, started to see, and this was something that I predicted, as soon as the contracts for quarterbacks started to get so exorbitant, there was almost a losing proposition unless you're Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen. And even Josh Allen, I think, sometimes pushes the limit of like, is he good enough? You know, but – I do think he is, but just to, to be clear, like when you start talking 45 to $50 million, almost every contract and every quarterback move we saw this year was a disaster after the Tom Brady and the Matthew Staffords. It's, it's been just a disaster from Russell Wilson to Deshaun Watson to Derek Carr, like all of these contracts and these moves just look stupid and it could lead to an insanely bountiful quarterback market to the point where I don't know if a team needs to get desperate for Baker Mayfield at this point, Aaron Rodgers could change teams. And that would, if the Packers decide they're going to go with Jordan love, that's one less job available out there. Uh, Derek Carr will change teams. The the Raiders, maybe they go with Jared Stidham. Maybe they bring in, you know, a, a, a rookie or something like that. That could be one less job out there. Um, we're going to see Jared Goff potentially move. Carson Wentz will move again. Um, I don't know what Matt Ryan plans to do. Ryan Tannehill could possibly move. Tom Brady will probably move if he doesn't retire. Baker Mayfield, um, Marcus Mariota, Jimmy S. Winston. Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo, maybe Tua Tonga-Vaioa. Um, I could see him moving. Sam Darnold, and definitely Mitchell Trubisky. Daniel Jones is a free agent. Um, there is just a long list of, of players I see. Geno Smith is a free agent. I think we might be surprised just at how, how many names are out there. Lamar Jackson could trade change teams. There's so many names out there at this time that really the floodgates, as you mentioned, Drew Locke, there, there's so many names out there that I think the floodgates are open. And I wonder, you know, I, I think we're just headed to an unpre unprecedented time where any, there's a lot of possibilities for Baker Mayfield. So that's kind of just what I'm spitballing is just, yeah, there, there are possibilities and maybe the Rams do get lucky and, and he, he comes in a $10 million contract and they're going they're getting a, a, a comp pick, even a, a seventh round comp pick for a player who they picked up on waivers in November or December or whatever. That's pretty good. You know, it's like, hey, if you got something, that's pretty good. I still think he should go back to the Rams. That would be my recommendation. Um, but a lot of names out there. Do you want to make any uh, one uh, big quarterback move prediction? Well, it's really with the draft, it's pretty early in that process, but it sounds like there's the big three, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, and Levis, who his stock has really fluctuated at times, but it sounds like he's really rocketing up that, that draft order. So uh, maybe those guys go pretty early. And you just mentioned half the league that might be in the shop in, in a, who's shopping for quarterbacks. And if there's only three guys available at the top of the draft that can you can really pencil in as a starter in week one, uh, that teams are going to make really – start being desperate and making these decisions. And uh, I Baker Mayfield with Brian Dable in New York, I think would be really interesting, especially if they can continue to add receiver talent because that cupboard is completely bare. Uh, if he can do what he did with Daniel Jones this year, really limit those mistakes. 
leverage his mobility and athleticism. And, you know, Daniel Jones is one of the, the best rushing quarterbacks in the NFL, but I still haven't figured it out four to five years later, you know, how he does it. But uh, if he can maximize Jones' potential, uh, maybe you can talk yourself into Baker Mayfield in that spot too. And maybe Jones is a high-level backup that hits the market and he's available, though maybe not as a very good systematic fit for someone like the Rams, especially as we talked about with these limited salary cap resources. But um, yeah, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be interesting. You talk about Geno Smith, maybe he gets franchise tagged or team extends him and and he's a building block for the Seahawks future. That affects the fate of your division for quite a long time. Maybe they elect to go with him instead of drafting a quarterback with that pick from the Broncos. So uh, and then, you know, you're in your own division. Also, Kyler Murray, what happens with him? And no one knows the, what the 49ers are going to do, whether they run it back with Brock Purdy or they try Trey Lance again for the third time and where Jimmy Garoppolo goes. It, there's more questions than answers. Absolutely. I mean, we're, it's it's such a weird, unprecedented time, and I'm excited for it. I'm here for it. I'm ready for it. And I think more than once this offseason, we will be shocked. Something will happen that we would have said, Wow, that wasn't possible. How could that have happened? I mean, it already happened last offseason with Russell Wilson, Tyreek Hill, um, and uh, everybody expected the Deshaun Watson trade, but overall just so many big, massive deals uh, that I'm prepared for the things that I didn't think I could possibly need to prepare for. So I'm excited for that. I'm interested. We'll see what happens. Um, That's it for this episode of Turf Show Times, the podcast. So Hit subscribe. Uh, JB, JB will be back with the Last Minute Thoughts podcast before Rams Seahawks, and then we'll be back again for the Instant Reaction Show after the game. So that's it for this episode of Turf Show Times the podcast. Come back next time for the next Turf Show Times the podcast.